You are listening to the Hodges Huddle, where we discuss all things in the wide world of sports. Here's your KLSU sports team. Welcome into the Hodges Huddle. I'm your host, Andre Champagne, and today I'm joined by Andon Brabham and Raven Freeman today. Happy Halloween, guys. As you can see, it is during the time of recording, it is Halloween. Halloween day. And, on the and day we're I am the only one that has dressed up, so this is a little awkward. But how is y'all Halloween going? I'm having a great day so far. It has been made even better by you because dressing up as Tinky Winky from the Teletubbies. Yep. That is. This, this has made my day. It's made my week. It's made my year so far. <laughs> yep. I'm having a great day as well. How's your Halloween been? I got some weird looks this morning. You went to class? Uh, I, went I, went to class? To, I went to the union in this oh, okay. uh, today. You're going to go LSU Chicks. No, I, I don't think so. Me and Nathan were kind of looking out for it, but we should be good. But we've got a good bit to talk about, so let's get into it. First things first, LSU goes to Tuscaloosa this weekend face number nine, Alabama. This one, it's going to be an amazing game. So let's start off with, I know we talked about this on the Sunday show, right? But what does LSU have to do defensively to make sure that Jalen Milrow does not throw all over them? Yeah, like you said, we talked about it pretty extensively, yeah. uh, you, me, and Jaden on the Sunday show, that it's going to come down to being able to get after the quarterback. If you can go and get after Jalen Milrow, this Alabama offense really likes to succeed when they have five to, to ten seconds mm -hmm. to operate. If you can make them operate in two to three seconds, you're going to win this football game. Yeah. Right. And then took the words right out of my mouth. I mean, the D-line has to apply pressure and get to him, period. I mean, some sacks definitely need to happen in order for them to win this game. Yeah. Yeah, and I agree with you. I think it starts with getting pressure on the quarterback, and that comes down to the defensive line, like you guys said. I think if they find a way to take advantage of that really bad Alabama offensive line that they have, mm -hmm. it's going to be a really good day for this LSU defensive line especially missing all those guys that they have it's just going to come down to hey next man up uh, but we're going to talk a little bit about that but anyway if you can't get pressure on Saturday you're going to lose this game it's as simple as that right. but like we said with guys like Zy Alexander Deuce Chestnut inactive Denver Harris out um, who's going to have to play the games of their lives LaTerrence Welch man I like we said it on the Sunday show yeah. it's going to come down to young inexperienced corners right. just having to like I said on the show, die a slow death. Mm -hmm. Die yeah. as slow as you can mm -hmm. and and keep them in front of you for as long as you can, for as much as you can, and this offense will do the rest. You just got to be a strong body and mentally tough for 60 minutes. Yeah. I mean, I agree. I read this question, and my heart kind of dropped, so I was like, dang, Welch is really all we have. We don't have that many options. Mm -hmm. I mean, I just really hope he can go out there and fulfill the role that Zah Alexander did, like, and then said, unexperienced. I mean, it's really kind of scary. I mean, will he be able to form, perform well against a team like Alabama? I don't know, but he's really all we have. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I, I think also you guys said LaTerrence Welsh. I'm going to say freshman Ashton Stamps is going to have to go out and play his heart out okay. and, and just get use those reps that he got against like Mississippi State. Uh, he had a few reps against Florida State, stuff like that, man. Just build that up, and you're facing the best wide receivers in, I mean, in the country in practice. So um, I think you, you use that just to be better. And I think Terrence Welsh, like you guys said, is going to have a really big, really big game. And I think to go, he's going to be the guy to go out and cover Jermaine Burton for four quarters. And he's going to have to try not to give up big plays. You can allow those five yards, six yards, but you cannot allow those 
30, 40-yard bombs down the field. That And he's a physical corner, so I'm really intrigued to kind of watch that. I just don't know if, you know, Matt House is going to have that him go on Jermaine Burton. It's, it's going to be weird to see. But defensively, scheme-wise, what should LSU do? Should they stick to playing man coverage with all these guys out, or should they play a little more zone, kind of allow them a little more time and coverage? Yeah, I, it's hard to just say, guys, we've been running zone all year. But just for this game, because we got different personnel out there, we're going to run man coverage. Yeah, I think that sends the wrong message to your guys and to the coaching staff. I think LSU is going to stick with what they know, and they're mm-hmm. going to stick with what they they think they do well, and that's going to be a lot of shell coverages, a lot of cover two, cover four, yeah. things like that, to keep Alabama from getting that deep shot over the top to somebody like yeah. Jermaine Burton. I like that. I, I mean – I agree. It's just it's one of the main things that this defense has struggled with terribly all season. And I just don't know if they'll be able to pull it off, even though it's what we've been doing all season, like Andon said to me. I don't know. Maybe we should try something new because look how the season has gone. But it, against a team like Alabama, it might be dumb. But look yeah. how our defense has yeah. played all season. Alabama is not the team to experiment. No, no, no exactly. Yeah. They're and, just not. And I saw Brian Kelly say on the Feinbaum show this week, uh, he said, now's the time where you you know your identity as a team. Both teams are going to go out and do what they've been doing. Right. And, and they're not going to go out and change anything because of one team. And I kind of like what he said there because it's like, if you don't beat them with what you have, you're not, not going to go out and beat them changing There's stuff in, in yeah. yeah a matter of a week or two. And I think with the Alabama offense being so complex, I think they're going to have to stick to playing more man just to simplify it for these young guys. I think you will see a little bit of zone coverage at the beginning. Um, we're going to see how they kind of pan out. But I think we're going to shift more towards that man to see, um, I guess, during the game if we – kind of struggle with that zone coverage but shifting to the LSU offense how much do you think this rush attack has to go for in order to keep scoring points I'm gonna just say the the answer that has been true all year 150 Mm -hmm. this offense gets to 150 rushing yards without Jaden Daniels Mm -hmm. which they've done quite a few times this year um I I think it'll be just fine LSU has done a great job I think we're the we're the most balanced offense in the country Mm -hmm. we're we're not just a one-trick pony where we're just throwing these bombs down the field like like a lot of people in the country seem to think we are. Yeah. It's a very balanced offense with Logan Diggs, Caleb Jackson, Josh Williams all getting touches. It's very fun to watch this offense perform. I'm going to say 150 from the running backs. Right. I like that. Like how you said the balance. I was going to go 150, 160, especially because if we play like we have been all season with the rotation and the force, I mean, I don't see our running backs having any trouble. Yeah, I actually think LSU's rushing attack will be as good as it's been for LSU to score. And I think with Alabama being a really good pass defensive squad, um, right, exactly. I think it's important that they get those three to four yards per rush to make it easier on Jaden Daniels. I think LSU is going to have to rush for 200 uh, in this game mm. for them to take home the dub. I know that sounds like a lot, but I think in this game they're not going to be able to throw it as much. Uh, but Alabama, let's talk about them. They have a very good defense. Do you expect LSU to go out and score like they have been? And what does Jaden have to do to keep his success up? I mean, honestly, I do expect LSU to go out there and score like they have been majority of the season. And then as far as how does Jane Daniel need to play, exactly how he has been. He's found that balance between running and passing the ball. And on top of that, he's showed everyone how poised and calm he can be, especially in important games, in my opinion. I mean, nothing needs to change about his playing style. 
on that field on Saturday. Yeah. I feel like if he changes something, it's just going to mess it all mess up. Mess it up, yep. Yeah, I'm not, like Raven said, I'm not looking for a change. What I'm looking for is you have to protect the ball right. and you have yeah. to value your possessions. Against a team like Alabama, no matter how good or bad they are, they will make you pay when you make mistakes, mm-hmm. especially when you have the ball. Right. LSU is going to have to limit pre-snap penalties. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of people talk about Bryant Denny. It's not as loud it's as really people not say that, it yeah. is. It's not. It's not one of these killer home. It's just a big old stadium. It's just big a old big lights. stadium. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it, it's not as loud as the Swamp or as Tiger Stadium or as Kyle Field yeah. or even their main rivals in Auburn, Jordan Hare Stadium. Right. It's not this crazy environment. If LSU can limit pre-snap penalties, you get Emory Jones back this week. I think mm-hmm. that's huge. That's huge. LSU limits pre-snap penalties, limits turnovers. If LSU wins the turnover battle. They'll win the football yeah, game. I agree. Right. I agree. I think I this, agree as well. I think this is a game where that like LSU just can't really rely on the offense to go in out and score forty plus. Like I think that's a lot to ask to see how good this Bama defense is. Yes, LSU's offense is good and they've been rolling. But look, let's face it. This is an LSU Alabama game, man. Mm-hmm. This is something where Saban knows. You know, he he's been there a time or two. He's gonna have his guys fired up to go play. And I think this comes down to, like you said, and I think it's going to come down to who creates the turnover and who capitalizes on those special teams plays, like who has better punts and pins yeah. people back, who kicks their field goals, makes them, doesn't turn it over on downs. I think Jaden Daniels has to protect the ball, and, and he's going to have to make those smart reads and throws on Saturday. I, I think he can't have any turnovers and just protect himself as well. Stay in the game. Um, put trust in your playmakers in this one. And, and Throw the one-on-one matchups, man. This is a game where you have to do that. Um, I, I think that's that pretty point, much I have. I think that point you make about special teams is also really Main interesting yeah. as well yeah. because that's something where Alabama has the all-time SEC leading scorer as right. their kicker and their punter. Will Riker does both of those things. Alabama has always been really good mm-hmm. special teams wa- teams wise. That's something Nick Saban very good really kicker this year. On. Yeah. Will Riker, great great kicker. He also handles their punts, like I said. But I also think that LSU especially in the kicking game, is really strong. strong I think yeah. Jay Bramblett does a great job on punts. Yeah. I think Damian Ramos has really sort of redeemed himself mm-hmm. in the eyes of the fans, getting these clutch kicks and, and drilling some bombs, very too. This season. I've been very happy with how special teams has played for LSU. We haven't had many of the gaffes and blunders that, that we saw last year. So I think the special teams is really where LSU can try and create an edge. I like that. Um, but finally, what kind of game is this going to be, do you think? Close. Is it close? It comes down to field close, goal? Just, just, yeah, talk I, about that. I'm not going to say field goal, um, but I'm not going to make a prediction. Yeah, I, 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 I have. That. I've been Rituals. dreading a prediction. Last year was the first year that I, I, I didn't consume anything as it pertained to the LSU-Alabama game. This year I don't really have a choice. Um, I, I'm not making a prediction. I'm going to say it's going to be a close that. ball game. I think LSU is good enough to go out and win this football game. And I also think Alabama is good, good enough, enough to go out and <laughs> yeah. win this football ball game. game. So it's very interesting. You'll have to get back to me later in the week. I like that. Yeah. That's fine. I mean, I'm on the same page as Andon. I'm just scared. I mean, I'm trying to stay positive. I have it coming down to a field goal. My score prediction yeah. is 21-24. The only thing I don't have is I don't have a winner or a loser. I'm trying hmm. to not jinx it because – I'm known for jinxing things. I was literally going to go to the game this weekend, but I'm bad luck at away games, so I was like, I'm not going to wow. go. Wow. Because if we think about it, like, if we lose this game, we're out of playoff contention. Like, our season's over. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's so true. This but is huge. At first, I thought LSU was going to narrowly win this game, but, you know, with all the injuries on defense, I just think that 
no. Alabama's going to find a way to go out and score yeah. and score quick at that, and that's going to put a lot of pressure on this LSU offense. Oh, and I think with that, I'm going to go with the Tide. I'm going to say 41-38 as my early, early prediction. Yeah. And I think that's going to change as the week goes on. I'm going to do some thinking, watch some film, that's but it's just so early, and, and I get it. it. It's so hard to make a prediction for these games. That's kind of why I'm avoiding a prediction, too, is because every, every time I, I – really sit there and take off my LSU glasses. <laughs> uh, You're like, this is a Nick Saban coach team. This is a Nick Saban coach team. Who Nick has Saban hasn't lost to a quarterback in back-to-back years since he was at Michigan State. 1999 and 2000, he lost back-to-back games to Drew Brees, mm. who was at Purdue while he was the head coach at Michigan State. That is the last time that a starting quarterback has beaten Nick Saban yeah. in back-to-back seasons. Well, Jaden Daniels will have a chance to become a Louisiana legend along with Drew Brees in that category this weekend. That would also be three of the last five in this rivalry going LSU's way, starting to turn the tide. That's that's crazy. And and that's kind of what we're seeing. But to wrap up college football, this weekend is full of big games, man. Uh, You look at it. uh, Let's start off with Texas A&M Ole Miss. Give me your winner for that one. I have an upset in this game. Yep, I'm going to go with Texas A&M. I think Ole yep. Miss is al- already kind of has one eye on Georgia. That's mm-hmm. their main event of this year. Yep. I think Texas A&M is a better football team than people give them credit for. For my money, they're the third best team in the SEC West yep. behind um, Alabama and LSU. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think they beat Ole Miss this week. Right. I believe yep. Texas A&M will be Ole Miss. Too. I just think they're going to underestimate them. I think their eyes are on the prize too far ahead. One eye like on Georgia. Focus. Yeah, they're not going to focus on yeah, and Ole Miss. I mean, on Texas A&M enough. I, so agree. I think they're going to lose. I agree. Yeah. I agree. I I think we all have upsets here, which is pretty crazy. And I'm going to go with Texas A&M for the very fact of Jimbo Fisher is gone. Um, pretty much at the end of the season is what people are suspecting. Yeah. Um, but I think like if he was to stay, he'd have to win out, and he knows how big this game is. And I think at this point, we're going to see kind of what A&M did to LSU last year, but. In this game, they're going to go out and spoil Ole Miss's chances at the playoffs. So I'm going to go with Texas A&M. But next up, we have Kansas State at Texas. Texas playing their backup quarterback once again. Um, tell me what you have in this one. Yeah, I'm, I'm still going to go with the Horns. The yeah. Big 12 is really interesting. Mm-hmm. I think there's like four or five teams that are all tied for mm-hmm. first um, with only one loss in the conference. But I think Texas is just too strong overall. The defense is too good. The running game really works for them. I mm-hmm. love what Steve Sarkeesian has done with Texas. He's really brought them. Yeah. Brought, like, I, I know we talk about it all the time, but he's, he's brought them back. Texas yeah. is back now as a, as a relevant college football program. Yeah. We'll see if it can be sustained. I think it will be. I'm going to go with the Longhorns to take care of the Wildcats. I, like I mean, yeah, I have Texas, too. To me, they're just better on the offense and defensive side of the ball. And they have that home advantage. I mean, that stadium I've been, because I'm from Houston, it's loud. It's it's scary. And I wouldn't be surprised if Kansas State gave them a run for their money because they're yeah. a good football team, but I still have Texas winning. Yeah, I think it's going to be closer than what the experts think, and I'm still going to go with Texas here to be kind of comfortable. But uh, next up, Missouri at Georgia, possibly the second biggest game uh, of the weekend here. Yeah, the reason – that I'm not picking Ole Miss is the exact reason that I will pick Georgia. Kirby Smart does a great job of compartmentalizing his team yeah. and saying, okay, we're 0-0, we're, the slate is wiped clean, we have a big game against Missouri. This is really the toughest two-game stretch that Georgia might face all year until mm-hmm. the postseason. Mm-hmm. 
Missouri's going to give them a tough game. I think it'll be close. I think Brady Cook and Luther Burden are both very talented yeah. as a quarterback wide receiver duo. I got the dogs by four. I like that. Okay. Yeah. I actually had it to be a blowout, but I know Missouri's going to come out fighting because this is a this very This is their Super yeah. Bowl. Yeah, it this is, is a very yeah. important and game. Th and, They're and not out of it to to win the East if they right. beat Georgia. Yeah, exactly. True. I think this but is a game. Do you really think they're going to be able to beat Georgia? Uh, realistically, they yes, they can, but okay. they have to play the best game. And this is kind of oh, yeah. what we talked about on the show again. Uh, we talked about, look, Missouri has a legitimate chance this year to act for this game to mean something. This game finally means something to, to them. them. Mm -hmm. So I think them playing like it actually means something. And they have one loss. They are so much in the SEC East, but in playoff contention, they if they win this game, they have a pretty easy schedule. They have Tennessee. And then they have a few more opponents, but after that, I mean, yeah. I, I don't see how they don't win out. And and also, I mean, this this Missouri offense is is unbelievable. Man. They're good. We, we saw it firsthand. First hand, yeah. This game is so important. Missouri played them close last year. Yeah. That was a very close game. That I think the final was was twenty one to seventeen or something like that. Yeah. Um, but Missouri played them incredibly close, and this Missouri team is drastically better than it was last year, and I think this Georgia team is actually worse, worse than they than were last year. Uh -huh. Yeah, and that was a close game as, as it was, but I think we're going to find a lot out about this Georgia team in the next two weeks, and, and with that, I still I think Georgia is just too good. I think the depth, I think they, yeah. they reload. Everybody knows this. I think they've been playing their best ball, and they're showing it right now. I'm going to go with the dogs by, I think, 10. So uh, next, finally, we have Washington at USC. Very big game. I think people are kind of ruling USC out already. But I have been so drastically unimpressed by Caleb Williams Me and too. USC, yeah. and season. specifically in Alex Grinch, the defensive coordinator. Yeah. Um. I I just don't think that they're a very good football team. Mm -hmm. I think that they were very one dimensional. You saw them struggle early in the year with a lot of teams that they shouldn't have been struggling with, but they were winning games. Yep. And when you're winning games that start at 9.30 p.m. Eastern time and nobody's watching them, mm -hmm. you're going to get away with some stuff. Yeah. Now they can't get away with it. I think Washington wins this game big. I'm going to go Huskies by 24. Wow. Right. That's I'm, crazy. I mean, I have Washington winning this one, too. And it's so weird. I mean, USC is potentially going to be handed their third loss in a row this season. I mean, but this Washington team is very good with a lot of depth, and I don't see USC – beating them at all i'm gonna go washington but i think it like yes i think it's close be because washington's close? been playing really bad ball uh over the past few weeks i would say um they just haven't impressed me man um and and i think that comes with i think they're just overlooking teams and they could very well go and lose this game if they're not prepared if you're of an lsu persuasion you should be cheering for usc, for USC. to win this football game i agree because you need as much chaos in, in the front pac 12 of you. In the Pac-12, you need all those teams to beat up on each other. You need enough chaos in the yep. Pac-12 so you can sneak up and, and slide into that playoff contention. Yep, but we're going to shift over to the NFL now, talk about the Saints really quickly. They defeated the Indianapolis Colts by a score of 38-27. to Saints totaled over 500 yards on offense, which is crazy to think about when you see how they've been playing you know, um, in previous weeks. And, and so let's talk about what changes we saw. How did you see this offense respond in this game and then go out and just score touchdowns instead of the field goals that we've been seeing? I saw a lot of solidarity, and I saw trust in your veterans. Mm -hmm. Look at the guys who had a big day on this offense. You look at Taysom Hill, who had a big day. 
You look at Michael Thomas, who had his best day since he's been back from injury, yep. and you look at Alvin Kamara. It's trust in your veterans. It's trust in the system. It's trust in the Saints culture, and that's what's really been missing from this Saints team is trust in the culture and what it is and why mm -hmm. it's there. I was very happy with how the offensive line protected oh, yes. Derek Carr. I was very happy with the lack of pre-snap penalties. I know there were some mm -hmm. late in the fourth quarter when the game was kind of starting to get out of hand. That was the first time that the Saints have gotten over 500 total yards of offense since December of 2020. Wow. That's still Drew Brees' era, man. Yeah. And, and, and for them to go out and do what they did, I understand that the Colts are not a great competition in the NFL, but you just needed to get one across the board. You needed to see it. You yeah. needed to, you need see to see something. It. You needed to just see a Progress win. Yes, you exactly. needed to see green. And you did, and I'm very happy with what I saw yeah. from the Saints. You need progress, and exactly. you got more than just progress yeah. in that game. That is very true. I mean, yeah, how the O-line protected car was amazing. Yeah. And then you guys being Saints fans have talked about how bad the offense in the red zone has been. It has I mean, been. that improved drastically on mm -hmm. Sunday. That was very impressive. Yep. And I thought the offense did a really, like you guys said, did a great job of protecting Carr. He's been sacked only twice in the last two weeks okay. uh, combined. And that's crazy to think about because he's been sacked 17 times in previous weeks combined. So that's just wild to me. I think that that comes to testament of saying, hey, these guys are getting better week by week. You just have to let them go out and do their jobs. I also thought the Saints were better in using Taysom Hill and just sticking with him uh, when he was succeeding. They didn't just give up on the guy yeah. when he got a few touches. But overall, what were you most impressed with in this win and on offense? I would say. Like I said, man, just the solidarity. Yeah. It yeah. felt like it felt like at the start of the season that this was just a bunch of weapons. It, it, everybody talked like, about yeah. the amount of talent that the Saints had. You right. had Derek Carr, who's a serviceable quarterback. You had all these wide receivers. You had three running backs that you were going to rely on. Mm -hmm. You still had Taysom Hill. You you went and got Foster Morrow. But it was just a bunch of pieces. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And now it feels like the Saints are starting to build the puzzle. The puzzle's puzzle. trying to yeah. yeah. They're starting to build they're, the puzzle. They're starting to trust each other. Yeah. That's a big that's thing, bit, too. Like and, I said. And buy in. I think that's a big thing that you're talking about. I think it's great how they shook back as a whole. It wasn't like one or two guys. I think as I all like a offensively whole collective group. They were sick those of guys were great. About. Yeah, they're, exactly. I mean, you, you saw offense. production from everybody. You saw Rashid Shahid. You saw Michael Thomas just absolutely impressed me, at least. Uh, Kamara, like you said, the whole entire offensive line. I thought even Jamal uh, Jamal Williams had a, 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 good, a good game. Yeah. And then Chris Olave struggled, but he didn't have a horrible game, in my opinion. Um, but I think if they can keep that up, especially with these next few games, they're going to be set. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I mean... Considering how much Derek Carr has been done at this season, I was very impressed yeah. with his performance. He did really well in the pocket. I mean, he had 310 passing yards, two touchdowns, and no interceptions. That's dang near a perfect game for a quarterback. I mean, he performed really well, and he was very consistent. Mm -hmm. I mean, I feel like Carr has a tendency to do good, you know, the first quarter, the first half, then it'll go downhill. He can be very inconsistent, but the consistency he had in this game was huge. Yeah. That was nice to see. Yeah, and even though the offense clicked this week, are you a little worried about the defensive effort this week? I know they gave up 27, but right, it's not going to be perfect. It's not going to be sunshine and rainbows every single week. Not me, and let me tell you why. You gave up 17 points in the first half and only 10 in the second half. You made an adjustment. You started getting stops. You started seeing what the Saints' defense really is. Yeah. I think they, they've just been beat up and, and, and really tired with mm -hmm. how the offense has been playing. Yes. And also this Colts team gives you a lot of bad matchups. They're really physical up front. 
Jonathan Taylor's a great running back. They also use Zach Moss really well. Michael Pittman's a really talented, really really big guy, physical receiver. The Saints tend to struggle with those big physical receivers. You look at Mike Evans, DeAndre Hopkins has given us a trouble pass. Julio Jones used to go for 250 yards on the Saints when he was in Atlanta. The Saints usually tend to struggle with big physical wide receivers. I think that's why you saw what you saw to the Saints. The only thing I'm looking for, tackle the ball a little bit better. Yeah. Just see ball, hit ball, make your tackle, wrap up the guy, and make sure they get down. Yeah, I like that. I completely agree. I just think that they're tired. I mean, this is one of the best Mm -hmm. defensive defenses in the NFL. You know, the Saints offense, I'm not going to say isn't that great because they have all these weapons, but they're inconsistent, and defenses can only do so much. So I just think that they're tired. I mean, I know, like you guys said, the Colts isn't the best team, but at the end of the day, a win is a win. Yeah, it's hard. Yeah. To, it's hard to win in the National Football League, mm-hmm. and this Colts team, even without Anthony Richardson, has won some ball games. Right. Yeah. It, this is n- by no means a bad Colts team. Oh, they're no. going to be right. really good, yeah. and as as they continue to build, they're going to be, think be one of the good, mm-hmm. be- better teams in the AFC for sure. Right. Yeah, and I, and I think like Andon said, man, there were some bad matchups for the Saints defense, and th- I think they just had a bad week. I, th- I don't think we should be worried, but we should expect them to go to work and have a pygmy of a game against the Bears. And here's another thing, man. I don't think a lot of people are giving credit to the Colts as in their offensive line. Absolutely. They have a Great top three offensive line, offensive line in the entire league. Look at what Jonathan Taylor was able to do against such a great defensive front in the Saints. Yeah. He was still able to go for 95 yards. I mean, that's impressive to me, especially after just coming back and playing. Right. I think that's that itself speaks for itself, and I think – like, hey, the Saints are going to be okay. Yeah, the uh, Saints will be fine. And you know what? I'm okay with having a bad week defensively when the when offense, offense does that. points yeah, exactly. and 500 yards. And I'll I think that. I think with that, I mean, the offense doing that for the defense, I think that's going to pull hey, each other together, yep, I guess. Absolutely. Yeah. And so they have some really easier games coming up. Do they have a legitimate shot at the NFC South? Absolutely. I mean, I do. Yeah. I mean, if you look at it, the Falcons are their yeah. hardest competitor, and I think that they could easily overrule them. I definitely think that the Saints could win their division 100%. Mm-hmm. It just, the Saints, like every other team, are known to go out there and lose games that they shouldn't. So, I mean, it all just depends on that. Yeah. If you put the Saints offense that you saw this past week yeah. and the Saints defense that, that you saw for season. the first four weeks of the season, right. not only do I think this team is good enough to win the division, I think this team is good enough to go to a Super Bowl. Yeah. I, I genuinely do. I think the weapons are there. I think Pete Carmichael is really like a, you got to give the devil his due. Mm-hmm. The guy has – we were calling for a, for a hotline to call plays about a month and a half ago. In this very seat. And, and <laughs> now – and now he's turned it around, and right. he's really starting to trust his guys, even trust in, his talent. Yeah, even during the Jaguars game, I mean, he showed improvement. Yeah, you saw better things. You saw, you just, saw more creativity. You, could, you couldn't really get a stop in that game either. Yeah, exactly. It, it's, I think it boils down to like, hey, this offense has to go out and actually play consistently better. And I think I think they have a, a very good shot at the NFC South. I mean, look, the next legitimate quarterback that they face is Jared Goff, and that isn't until December. Yeah. So use these games to keep getting your offense on cue and then your defense. They should be solid leading into these bigger games because, right. look, your defense has to go out and play Minnesota, who's going to pretty much suck with Joshua Dobbs, our quarterback. We're going to talk about that later. They have to play the Bears and Tyler uh, Hagent, and he's not very good. Yeah. Um, who else am I missing? It, it's just The Falcons benched Desmond Ritter last yeah. week. It's just not like... 
the the NFC is is really bad. Yeah, yeah. as far saying, as like quarterback the play goes, are their hardest competition. And yeah. I feel like that's like nothing. Even when to you the look at at the better teams, I'm not wildly impressed by Brock Purdy. Exactly. Jalen Hurts is really the one that's blowing He's the one that's away. Jared Goff's starting to stick out. Jared mm-hmm. Goff has played good football, but I think he is containable when you mm-hmm. when you take away what the Lions like to do. If you can make Jared Goff throw the ball I think Kirk, 35 times, you could beat him. Yeah, right. I think Kirk Cousins was in that conversation. Absolutely, and but now we'll talk we, about yeah. that in a minute. It, it's just not a very strong conference with quarterback play-wise. I agree. And now Derek Carr, like, I, I hate to do this as a Saints fan because I hate getting optimistic about the Saints because mm-hmm. they know how to let me down. Right. Um, <laughs> but, man, I, I – you can't help but feel optimistic when you look at the teams on the schedule. Yeah, we, exactly. I agree. I and agree. I'm so, happy. I'm excited yeah. for you guys. When I was looking at it before the show, I was like, dang, they actually have a chance. And, like, you look at the game that they just played against. A, or I thought the Colts have a very good defense. Yeah. At that For them to go and do that was pretty cool. And so, I think, lastly, let's talk about the Vikings. Defeated the Green Bay Packers, but still lost in a way where Kirk Cousins, who was playing really at his best, I mean, this guy – Probably would have been in the MVP five. conversation. He was playing top five quarterback football. Yeah, exactly. Torres, Achilles, very unfortunate. So Minnesota will be without their star quarterback for the remainder of the season. Starting off, are the Vikings done for this year, and should they just start tanking? I, I know it sounds premature to say that, but yeah, I just I'm not gonna say tank yeah. because there's talent on the football team. Yeah, they just made a move to get Josh Dobbs to kind of. Get yeah. somebody in the door, which right isn't now, a bad move. Nick Mullins would have been the starter this next week, and, and that would have been not, an automatic yeah. loss. Yeah. Right. But man, you just lose so much when you lose Kirk, Kirk Cousins. Cousins. I mean, that's a and, star quarterback, and he's been, I, for lack, of, he's been the ass end to all the jokes. Yeah. Everybody wants to make a joke about Kirk Cousins, and every time he goes out, he performs well. Right. I. Especially since the quarterback documentary came out, mm-hmm. had become one of the biggest fans of Kirk, Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins. Not a, not only as a football player, but as a man, but as, a a man uh-huh. as as a husband, as a father. Right. I'm a massive fan of Kirk Cousins yeah. and what he does. I, I feel so bad for I him because this man. is his free agent year. Playing, I mean, he was playing for that contract. Yeah, he was, exactly. this was his this was his money year to go get another big contract, which probably would have been the last. He would have hit it. Too. It would have been the last one he'd have been able to get. I pray. I really do that he can that a team will see what he does Saints. and give him a shot. If he's a New Orleans Saint, I'm over the moon yep. with that. I agree. And I, I like what do you think, Raven? Do you think they're done? I or? mean, yeah, I think they're done. I mean, losing a quarterback like Cousins, like I said, like that's tragic and that's one of the worst. That is the worst thing that could have happened to this football team. And yeah. I really don't think they're going to be able to shake back from that. I really don't. Yeah, I think I think the Vikings, I'm not going to say it's over completely, but that I think that knocks them out of playoff contention. I know For math. Sure, I know yeah. mathematically they're still there. They're four and four right now. But then you go and look at the inconsistency that they're going to see from quarterback play. Josh Dobbs has to go in and learn a system, man. That mm-hmm. you, a whole that system. is exactly. so hard to do. And, and and just with that itself, not only do you lose Kirk Cousins, man, you're going to lose, lose. You're going to lose Justin Jefferson almost you too are. with yeah. with a chemistry in effect. And, yeah. and these guys don't know how. How he plays, I, I get Justin Jefferson's the best wide receiver in the league, but it still I, matters it, who's it, throwing you the football. It matters exactly. who's throwing you the football. Look at Devontae Adams, man. Yeah, it's gonna get really, and I think o- not only for him, man. I think it's gonna get, I think it's gonna get kind of just sort of like that situation in Minnesota for him, kind of like how Devontae Adams is getting treated. But uh, yeah, what are you guys thinking about that? Stuck, man. I, I 
I feel bad for everybody involved with the Vikings right now because yeah. as much as I dislike the Vikings, they were on the franchise, They were really playing good football and they were poised in a weaker NFC where where the 49ers have kind of started to fall away. The Eagles haven't necessarily been super impressive in the last couple of weeks. They've been winning games, but they've been winning games close, coming back in games, things mm-hmm. like that. The Bears. They were just... poised to make a run, man, in a weaker division where the best team there is Detroit, and I think the Vikings can beat Detroit on their best day. I agree. Oh, With I, I agree. Kirk Cousins and Justin Jefferson. But now, like you said, you kind of lose what makes Justin Jefferson so good because it does come down. It comes down to, to quarterback, who's throwing you the quarterback ball. relationship. And you yeah. can throw as many extra reps after practice against air, but you cannot replicate NFL game reps. There's no situation where you can – replicate those kinds of exactly. reps with a wide receiver right. that only and comes with being on the field yeah. playing games yeah. and at that like you said repetition an entire few seasons at that and then yeah, summers exactly. spent together it's it's more but behind the lines man yeah, like and, that duo being gone that's gonna yeah. hurt them yeah and i think that that's for that reason i think josh dobbs is gonna go out and yeah. and i think he's gonna surprise he's some a, people he's, he's gonna win fine, some games he's a perfectly fine quarterback but mm-hmm. he's not playing he, top five football like yeah. Kirk cousins was. i mean yeah because replacing a quarterback like Kirk Cousins is impossible. That's yeah. the only problem. This is not like you had a crappy quarterback. You're replacing him with another mm-hmm. crappy quarterback. You had a star quarterback, and yeah. now he's gone, mm-hmm. and he's not coming back. Like yeah. That's a lot to adjust to. Yeah. Um, but lastly, I mean, we're going to briefly talk a little Pelicans basketball. They've started their season 2-1. and one. Last night was kind of a... Uh, just a, night, I think man. it was a fluke. I think it was a fluke. Just, it was just a, a bogey night. Weird feel. No Brandon you know? Ingram. The full wart. moon out in in New Orleans. You know things could get a little freaky, a little right? A little <laughs> little freaky. A little weird. The little Warriors, weird. man. I that's a good team, man. I thought they were going to dodge a bullet. I thought Steph Curry is an aging superstar on the second leg of a road back to back. Wasn't going to play. Right. He did, and boy did he play. Man, he dropped forty two on the Pelicans. By the way, and there was nothing you could do to stop, stop that him, man yeah. last night. Uh, they're they're back. Oh, uh, there was something to stop. Can them. you believe it? The Warriors are still a good basketball team with Chris Paul as their point guard. Shock and awe. Um, I, I think let's talk about it. with this team healthy though. The Pelicans. What could be the ceiling for them? I'm gonna say top five seed like in that. the West. I think you're looking at a four five matchup with potentially somebody like the, the Grizzlies, Dallas Mavericks, or the, or the Memphis Grizzlies, somebody like that. Just a. I think when the Grizzlies get John Morant back, they'll be just fine. Um, but the Pelicans, if they can stay healthy, I think the sky's the limit for this team. I like that. They're young. They're athletic. They love playing with each other. I know there was some podcast that put out rumors about something feels weird about their chemistry. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with it. Like, they if, love if each other, If you watch man. the games, yeah. these guys love each other, dude. Yeah. And they have so many good. They might have the best chemistry out there. They have so many good young people guys. in mm-hmm. that locker room. Yeah. Jose Alvarado, Larry Nance, Trey Murphy. Even guys like C.J. McCollum is a great locker room leader. And Brandon I, Ingram, very I good love, locker room guy. I, I love this Pelicans team. Me too. I really do. Too. I love the players on it. I love the people that play for them. I'm a fan of Willie Green. I'm a fan of what the Pelicans are doing. I'm going to say top five seed in the West, if everything goes right. I like it. What do you think, Raven? I mean, I even see maybe even top three and even making it wow. even to the playoffs because, I mean, for as long as I've gone to LSU, this team has been young. And yeah. I, we're all juniors now, and I just feel like, that chemistry is getting better and better, and it's mm-hmm. going to transpire on the court even more. Yeah, I feel like, like you guys said, they can be unstoppable if they're consistent enough. Yeah, I'm we're going to talk about that, but I tr- I'm still young. 
I'm a sophomore. Yeah, we're still. I'm young. still young. We're, we're still young. I get to. I get to still be yeah, a baby. You get, you, <laughs> you're, yeah, not you're a young old, guy. Not these old people to yeah. my left. <laughs> right. I think this team. Y'all said you said five. You said three. I'm actually gonna say four. I'm gonna say split the difference. Yeah, I'm okay. gonna split the difference. I think top four seed in the West when they're all healthy. I don't think this comes with just the starters. I think this means everybody. I think it's itself. It's hard to stop the starters um, from scoring with McCollum, Zion, Brandon Ingram. Those guys itself. And then they're going to win a lot of games if they can just stay healthy during the season. Like, you can go and drop a few. Like, yeah. like, like games like Straight, last dude, night. It's such it's a gonna be fun. long yeah. season. Exactly. Like, you're going to lose games. Like, it's going to happen. You're not, you're, not the, you're not the 17, 16, whatever. Yeah, you're Warriors. not the 2016 Warriors. Yeah. You're not the 96, 97 Bulls. Yeah. You're not, like, it's just not going to happen. Right. But with the Pelicans bench guys like Jose Alvarado, Trey Murphy, Najee Marshall, when they all come back, is this a top five seed? In the Absolutely, West? Oh, man. Yeah, for sure. You have so much depth, and that's something that I've really disliked about the Pelicans roster construction for a long time is that mm-hmm. even when the starting five was good, you didn't have a whole lot off the bench, bench. to supplement those guys. Yeah. Now, when I look at this Pelicans second unit, the second liners, they call them, they got the memes and everything out there. It is one of the best bench units in mm-hmm. the in the in the league. Yeah. And now you have guys like Matt Ryan and the rookie Jordan Hawkins who can just come in and shoot the lights out. Yep. And that's all they have to do yeah. is come in and shoot Literally. the lights out. And that's guys that are playing right now. Like like you said, well, Jordan Matt Ryan Hawk- played 27 yeah. minutes last night. Exactly. Yeah. And <laughs> just wait until these guys like Jose, Najee, wait until Trey and Trey Murphy, Murphy gets comes back, back on this court. I'm that's telling you, Trey dude. Murphy and Matt Ryan on the same court? Dude, Dangerous. look out. Yeah. Yeah, like that's how exactly, are you? Yeah, that's because exactly why I have them at a top there, three seed. There is a line. There is a lineup that the Pelicans can put out where I trust all five guys to hit a wide open three point shot. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I haven't said that in a long time because if you could throw out C.J. McCollum, Matt Ryan, Jordan Hawkins, Trey Murphy, and Jonas Valanciunas, all five of those guys can yeah. knock down an open three. Right, and that mm-hmm. had I haven't seen that in my 19 years of watching New Orleans basketball. Yeah. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. never been like that. I agree. What do you think, Raven? You think? You know, when those bench guys come back. That oh, yeah, that's why I have them at a top three yeah. seed. I mean, all the names you just named, plus the stars. I mean, that is a dangerous team. I mean, to me, that's why I said they're so unstoppable. That's yeah. why I have them going deep in the playoffs. I mean, I feel like people are going to underestimate this team, which is going to lead them to more wins. Yeah, I agree. I think there's just so much depth when all these guys come back. I can't name an NBA team that has depth like that. Like the Pelicans. Like exactly. that, like the Pelicans. And I think that's why it's so important for them to stay healthy because – I think everybody wants to see this this a New Orleans team, small market. Absolutely. See what they're capable right. of. Because Especially it's like the people in the city. When yeah. you're in and around New Orleans, people are begging the Pelicans to just win some games. Yes. Dude. And look we, at the playoff games. Absolutely. It was a great I they was bought there. in. Yeah. I was there for Same. those games. It was a great the two games against the Suns, Phoenix, man. Yep. And it was unbelievable this atmosphere if you are good new orleans and louisiana will love you throw their arms Uh around you they will love you they will show up they will be there no matter what and you talk about bench pieces these are not just bench pieces no these are guys that have the exact role on this team jose alvarado can go and play defense they're murphy proven bench pieces you've seen jose alvarado larry nance trey murphy Najee marshall all go out and have games where they have 18 or they go out and drop 25. You had a game yeah. where Jose had 35 in yep. a game. Right. It's these are proven bench pieces. This isn't just okay, we'll think he'll he'll be a good piece. No, he is. Yeah, we're just going to stick him in this piece. lineup. No, there's reasoning behind Absolutely. everything. Yeah, and I, like you said, they all play their roles 
off the bench so well. And like you said, they were young, right? We can give them that excuse for when they lost against the Suns two years ago. Now, there's no excuses. It's time to go. You've got yeah. the experience. You've got the chemistry. It's time to go, like you said. But should the Pelicans, I would say, limit Zion Williamson's minutes? And I would say this for the beginning of the season. Maybe. I mean, if you want to, go ahead. I, yeah. Here's here's my thing. As long as he's not missing significant time, I, all I need is Zion Williamson to play like 50 games and just be healthy for – Or just like – And just be healthy for yeah. the playoffs. If right. you can do that, I'm just fine with Zion. I think there are certain spots where you're going to – like mm-hmm. if you're playing a game against the Magic mm-hmm. on the road in the middle of December, I'm okay with Zion sitting out that, that yeah. game. Right. And, and just resting up. He's, he's a young athlete. They need rest. And the right. NBA is such rest. an arduous yes. schedule. Mm-hmm. It's so tough on these guys. It's physically body. demanding. Right. I mean, you're sleeping in not your Sleep, bed almost every night. You're sleeping in planes. You're, you're sleeping wherever you can. And then as soon as you land, you're doing a shoot around. You have two. You have back-to-backs two, two times in a week. It's just mm-hmm. a really brutal schedule. schedule. Yeah. And I'm okay with Zion not playing every game yeah. or not playing – 35 minutes a night. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, I agree, especially because they can because they Mm -hmm. have the weapons to do so. I mean, don't tire them out. You guys literally just said everything. I mean, the NBA season is brutal, and how the Pelicans season is about to be looking, Zion doesn't have to play Mm -hmm. 30, 40 minutes. I mean, that's just – it's not going to be necessary. Yeah, for me, I think – I think the Pelicans should limit Zion's minutes when they're playing back-to-backs. Okay. I think that's how it should roll. I think they're going to, like you said, it, Nate, and, and you, you're going to need him down the stretch, and there's no reason to let him go wild just in the first few games and yeah. first stretch of the season. So it's time, though, for the best segment of the week. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's time to give our poo-poo broussards of the week. This goes out to worst performance of the week, <sighs> whether that's a player, fan base, coach, or team. So who do y'all have? So, I'm gonna let y'all go first right. because I, mine isn't a sports thing. Yeah. Oh, okay. I'm shock y'all this week. All right. So I'm upset because, as you guys all know, I'm a Texans fan, and the Texans decided to go out and play this Sunday in Carolina yeah. and earn hand them their first win of the season. They were 0 and 6 before the Texans decided to fly on down there and let them beat them. So I'm just Upset because the Texans are just such an inconsistent football team. I mean, they beat the Saints. They earn all these nice ones. I mean, I feel like I think their record is three and five now. So I mean, it's still not they're still not good, but it's like they'll go out and earn these wins and they'll keep mm-hmm. it so close. But still, the Panthers were the only team not to win a game this season. I thought we were gonna win. So maybe I'm the poo-poo broussard. So I'm gonna give it to myself because me as a Texans <laughs> fan thought I got two. That's what you do for me. I thought that we were gonna go out there and what I had on my Texans That's jersey. That's just what a fan does, though. Now you know what it's like to be a Saints fan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean... You don't know what you're going to get every week. Nope. No, you don't. It's because like rolling the dice. This is <laughs> the first time in probably like three years I was very confident we were going to win. I was like, oh, we're going to win. I'm going to yeah. sit there and watch it the whole time. No. And you were playing the Panthers. So. Panthers. Sorry. So... <laughs> yeah. This yeah. week, I'm going to give it to New York Giants kicker Graham Gano. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Jesus, Jesus. You could give it to that whole game, dude. 24 punts in an NFL football yeah, game. I mean, that is unbelievably that is bad. I'm going to go Graham, though, because he went one for three in field goals. And chances, look, it's 10-13. The Giants go for a field goal with twenty about 20 seconds left. Yep. And he's already missed a field goal at that point. He misses very, very badly. And this is kind of uncharacteristic 
Of yeah, him. Graham Gano's been a pro bowler a couple times. This right. would have not only ended the game. I mean, you you pin back the Jets where you have to kick off to them again, put them back at the 25, but you also put them at the, about the 40-yard line and allow them to come back and tie the game, but then win it in overtime. So it's just really, really bad on his part. Yeah. You got to be able to execute, but that's what I'm going with. All right. Like I said, I'm not going with sports. Uh-oh. As we know, we're recording this on Halloween. I've oh. got Tinky Winky from Do the I, Teletubbies is it sitting going next to me? me. It's not going to you, though. Okay. It's going to... You know, you know, trick or treating is supposed to be fun right. for the right. kids. It's supposed to be a time when you get to pig out, you get to enjoy the candy. But there are just some houses in the neighborhood that give out some of the worst candy ever. Milk not duds. even candy. Which We're ones are we talking? Milk duds? No, I'm not talking about. They'll give candy. like pencils and pins. I don't. If you give out something that isn't candy, <laughs> you are the poo poo brusar <laughs> of the week. If I love you're that. giving almonds to a kid, <laughs> you are the poo poo brusar this week. If you're giving erasers Eraser. to children who are trick-or-treating, <laughs> no you are that. the poo-poo broussard this week. No child wants it. Have that. a good Halloween. I know it's passed by the time y'all are seeing this, but if you give out almonds, peanuts, <laughs> any trail mix. apples, trail, mix is in there. trail mix, even the ones with the M&Ms Cheez-its. in it, no. Cheez-Its, if you're giving it's out candy. anything Don't give like mini bags of popcorn, like for what? If <laughs> popcorn balls, if you're not giving out <laughs> Snickers, Twix, Kittles. Skittles, M&M's, you are the poo-poo broussard this week. I hope you have a bad <laughs> Halloween and you give out some better candy next year. I Goodbye. Not even better candy, just some candy. Mic drop. But I love that. That's a great way to end. Well, with that, I mean, that's going to do it for us today. Big thank you to Andon Brabham and Raven Freeman today. And this has been the Hodges Huddle.